Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska. And beside me, as always, Ben Durant. And we have, we're going to take a break from talking about uh, Twin Episode. Peaks episodes. Yeah. And um, we've got Joel Bacco back on. He's uh, the guy who does Journey Through Twin Peaks video essays. And uh, hey, Joel. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Good. It's good to have you on. So yeah, you did you did your own uh, 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 chapter on this that part of your journey through Twin Peaks of seventeen seventeen through twenty three. Yep. And uh, it isn't probably the best. It probably isn't our favorite section of of Twin Peaks. It's interesting. It's still interesting. But yeah, not the favorite, but interesting. Right. And I think about this, it's kind of like Cooper's journey in itself. Like, he's kind of like, he's no longer an FBI agent. He's got his flannels. He's he's kind of like, <laughs> he's exploring his life. He's kind of maybe thinking about buying some property. Going fly fishing. Fly fishing. What do you uh-huh. think What do you think about this section of uh, Twin Peaks? Well, before I say anything, I want to, and maybe this is overkill because maybe Brian already did, but I would like to hear Brian's sort of overall impressions of this of this patch. Before um, we spoil him with our own thoughts. <laughs> sounds good. Okay. Well, we just last week was episode uh, 23 for us. And we, le- we left off where Josie passes away uh, from what we think could have been a stroke or a heart attack or love hurt. We don't know what. Yeah. And um, th- this string leading to that point has had some of some really cool stuff with Cooper and we get to see Albert and all these cool characters we like, but then we've had the drag, like the not so interesting stuff with James. Um, Maybe Nadine. Oh, Nadine. Yeah. Nadine. <laughs> little Nikki. Little Nikki. The little Nikki storyline was uh, kind of lame. Uh, Nadine mm-hmm. was like a cartoon. was like, okay. was like Looney Tunes come to life. Yeah, um, there's a lot of cartoon in this. <laughs> yeah, um, the yeah the little Nikki stuff. I'm glad died quick. I'm glad the Nadine. I'm glad uh, Hank, uh, Big Ed, and uh, Norma get together. I was very happy. I'm not excited to hear that Norma's sister's coming to town because that means something weird's going to happen. I'm not that excited by that, but it could be good. I don't know yet. Brian thinks that when you uh, say something weird, what do you mean by that? Well, her. Her mom was a horrible uh-huh. person, and then the mom, <laughs> the food critic, the food yeah. critic, and the mom's boyfriend became, you know, Ernie, he, there, yeah. Ernie was nuts. So I'm uh-huh. like, oh god, they're gonna throw another family member at her. Like, leave <laughs> the poor woman alone. Yeah, I do have to say, um, fun film fact. I do, although I agree, the MT Wentz plot is pretty terrible. Um, it's kind of nice to see the mom because she was actually 
a famous uh, actress from a noir in the 40s, Out of the Past, with Robert Mitchum. Oh, oh she, Jane Greer, um, you know, beautiful femme fatale in that movie, um, probably about 42 years before Twin Peaks, so she was still acting. I don't know if she's still with us or what she's doing now, but so that's kind of a nice little note. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Mm. And actually, another funny thing, you know, unfortunate that she didn't have a better, <laughs> a better plot to participate in. But um, another funny fact of an actor kind of being thrown, uh, who would have been a great, great casting thrown away on a terrible part, was that originally they wanted to have the Milford brother who dies mm. be played by William S. Burroughs. Wow. Wow. Which would have been, if you can imagine him on Twin Peaks, right. you know, that, that would have been wild. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but that it would have been so Dougie. bad to have him. Yeah, to have Dougie Milford, to have that great stunt casting thrown away on such a flimsy right. story, I, I can't imagine it would have been worthwhile. So, so th- that's one plot you didn't mention that may be my least favorite. Oh yeah. Although I do like th- the mayor is funny. He is. But yeah. The whole La- Milana Milford plot is just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and that was that's a key moment too. I think where the brothers fight at the wake. A lot of people point to that. It's sort of a weird turning point in the show, for better or worse. I do agree with that. Yeah, it is a turning point. I, I remember that going. That was it, it was weird that we're yeah. doing that. So yeah, I do agree. Um, I think overall, like you know, Ben said, there's gems in each episode, and I do believe that. Mm. I think my That's favorite cute. episode was directed by. Um, oh yeah, you like Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton's episode. I you thought. That, so you like the style of it? I felt her style to me was very uh it felt like it felt like a david lynch directed episode i mean i might be castrated for saying that what i do <laughs> you will be stoned i will be stoned but you know i yeah. honestly felt her directing style was most was very interesting because yeah. all the other episodes have were directed very vanilla it was your yeah. gen- I you know actually do agree completely um i have mixed feelings about diane the diane keaton episode we'll get to that but I agree completely with you that her episode stands out very starkly because it follows a bunch of episodes that some of them have some neat flourishes, but for the most part, very TV, very typical. Yeah. Mm. Really nothing nothing visually that would stand out that, that would remind you, hey, we're watching the show that, you know, David Lynch started. Yeah, and it was cool. They did the close-up of the chess pieces. She did long shots where it felt like a David Lynch right, no shot. Cuts. Were no, no cuts. No cuts. Right. It, yeah, everything was... Fr- she did these framed and windows things using door windows mm. um, to show that the characters were behind there. And it was just yeah. kind of cool, kind of like visually interesting. Um, I think that was my favorite episode. Um and Joel, Directed, what, Joel, you know? what do you, I mean, I don't want to knock Diane or anything, but do you think that mm-hmm. was, was this her own style, or do you think other people kind of led her in that direction? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, hundred percent her, um, because she was a photog, she was an art photographer hmm. before there you go. she yeah. um, directed anything. Uh, I mean, obviously, she was an actress before you know before anything else, but she was throughout the '80s. She released photo books. And I haven't seen them, but from what I've heard, they're very much the style. Mm. So if anything, I would say the opposite almost. Like, I think she came on with her strong idea, and some people were a little resistant to it. One mm. of them was um, um, Richard Bamer, who plays Ben Horn. He was a little like, are we really going to go this far with the Civil War thing? Like, mm. the walls are all painted now, and everyone's in 
costume. I think for her, she definitely seized upon the idea of Twin Peaks as this sort of heightened, um, very stylized universe. And, yeah. and that was sort of, I think every director who directs Twin Peaks, they sort of pull something different from the Lynch playbook mm. and from the pilot and from the template that's been established. So, you know, some of them you'll see, well, they really, they really hone in on the peaksy, woodsy kind of coffee and pie, all the little, like I think the one right before her directed by Yuli uh, Edel, the, the German director. Yeah. I think he, he really hones in on that sort of Twin Peaks feel where it's like, you know, every scene they got pie and there's like, everything <laughs> is wood decor and yeah. really emphasizes that. And there's a cabin in the, I mean, that was in the script, but yeah. you know, Within that, I think, and I think for Diane Keaton, it was definitely David Lynch does shots that sort of call attention to themselves and make you feel a, a little uh, disoriented and they're, they're very surreal. And she seized on that and kind of ran with it. And it was her own, it, it, I think it suited her own style as well. And it very much kind of fits in that late 80s, early 90s hmm. vibe. Yeah. But I think a lot of, if, if you were going to stylize something, that would be kind of how you'd do it. You know, mm. you'd have the filters and the dissolves over each other and yeah. those shots of like everyone. Like, that feels very sort of early 90s to me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'll say with that one, I'm definitely not a big fan of it, but I think I go back and forth between feeling annoyed because I feel like her style doesn't mesh as well and it, it feels a little artificial to me. Like, she's posing everybody... Whereas with Lynch, it's strange, but there's like something more organic to it for me. Mm. On the other hand, you know, I've seen the episode several times because I've watched the whole, I think I've only watched it when I'm watching the whole series. It's not one that I yeah. have pulled out and watched independently. Right. But whenever, sometimes when I watch it, I'm really sick of the previous episodes and <laughs> it feels like a relief. Like, well, at least she's trying to yeah. like do something fun and different. So, so I do, I do have kind of the mixed feelings about it. Yeah. I think. And finding out that she was an artist really kind of, um, she has that eye. Right. And it, it really, it, that shows in this episode. For me, a lot of those scenes play out like you're watching uh, a moving painting. Yeah. With a, a wide shot like Lynch would do. And you're right. I mean, with Lynch, he, his was more organic because if things just happened, he let it happen. Right. And maybe yeah. she was a little bit more controlled about things, but it mm, still yeah. came off. That's a good comparison. Yeah. yeah enjoyable. I, I mean, visually yeah. stunning. Um, Visually, it was a great episode. Yeah. Was it the best episode of the bunch? Probably not. But visually, it made it entertaining. Right. So. I agree. So what was your least favorite episode of the group? Oh, God. If I, you can remember. I mean, they probably blur together a little bit. But. I know. They do. Do you remember, Ben, what I well, said? I mean, what it, was our least favorite? It would have to do with Andy and little Nikki. Oh, yes. The episode. Oh, that's right. Episode 19. Yeah. Where, where, where okay, where um, Dick is changing the tire and he's on the picnic. Oh, yeah. He picked the yeah. blanket and he all of a sudden comes to the conclusion that. Nikki wants to kill him. Yeah. It was a kind of yeah. ridiculous episode. Well, and you also hated the part where Andy's talking to Lucy and he's saying, we, we discovered he's probably a murderer. And then you have a, a balloon. That, that oh, balloon, the balloon, the cartoon balloon. The cartoon balloon of, of Nikki as Satan or something. Yeah, yeah I thought that like, was kind of corny. Yeah. yeah, it was probably my least Although, favorite stuff. It's funny because I just listened because you just, well, you know, when we're recording this, the most recent episode I listened to was the 19 one. 
and yeah. you mentioned those scenes, but then you also liked a lot of others. So it's kind of funny that in, because I do the same thing. It's like in retrospect, sometimes the bad parts stick out more. Yeah. And yeah, that ends up sort of sinking what, what we might have otherwise, you know, been okay with or yeah. whatever. And for but, me, because I'm watching them. So that's funny that you read, you specifically mentioned that one because yeah. it was just the other day. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. You talking about it and you were like, oh, this was, this was okay. <laughs> it, it's not it, to call, not to call you out on it, but it was just no. funny. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's you weird. didn't like those things, but you mentioned the other ones being like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so hard because I'm watching these so close together. I can't tell you an episode. Yeah, you remember the bad bits. For yeah. Sure. yeah, and I wouldn't That's say. That's what sticks out. Yeah, yeah an episode. Or the, really, I would or the say, really good bits. Yeah. The, like, the strong one way or the other. Exactly. I can't say an episode per se, but I can say the storyline. What storylines yeah. I'm enjoying more. Nikki. Yeah, the little Nikki stuff I didn't enjoy. The James stuff, I was kind of... James, his storyline had one episode, I enjoyed it. When you found out, like, you know, that guy could be... It's not her brother, or oh, you don't yeah, know Malcolm who's... Is. Malcolm, yeah. you don't know who he is. And yeah. it was corny when Malcolm was just kind of like... He would sit down, he got all serious, and basically told James <laughs> what to do. And they snapped out of it. He's like, oh, have a good day, and he leaves. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. In a, in a probably... I don't know how intentional... It's so hard to say... Because they do go for campy stuff, like what's supposed to be funny and what's yeah. just yeah. bad, so bad it's funny. But there's another podcast called the Twin Peaks Podcast, and I think maybe the funniest thing they ever did had me like laughing hysterically was they called that character Exposition Malcolm because yes. he literally just walks into the room, sits down, yeah. talks for like an info dump for two oh. minutes and stands up and walks out. And he does it repeatedly, like oh. scene after scene. You're right. So that's... now I can't watch it without thinking Exposition Malcolm. No. Yeah, you're right. He, that's what he is. And was, I told Ben the first time I saw him when he sits down with James, I'm like, he literally just tells James what to do and right. everything that's going on and just goes. And then his mood changes, like, I'll see you later. And like, yeah. it is weird. He's a very weird character. Um, Joel, when, yeah. you, when you first watched it, maybe the first time, and we went mm-hmm. from 16 where Leland dies and it seems like the, the Laura Palmer storyline is over. And he's like, oh, where's Bob now? And then the next episode, yeah. we're into 17 and we're at a funeral and it seems like we're just done with – Bob. Bob all together. Cooper basically yeah. says to Sarah Palmer, "It's like, oh, uh, when you know, you'll never see Bob again." Basically, what what did you think about that? I mean, I don't know what direction it was going in. I mean, it- it's funny. I can't totally remember my reaction. I think I felt kind of funny about that scene, like something didn't quite feel right. But I just I can't remember my reaction to that so much as the wake scene. Mm. That I remember my reaction really well. And the funny thing is, you mentioned I have a whole. Uh, episode, a uh, chapter of Journey Through Twin Peaks, devoted to seventeen through twenty-three, yeah. which is by far the largest stretch of episodes I cover <clears throat> in a single video. Usually, I go maybe three, four, sometimes even you know one or two episodes mm. in, a, in a chapter. That one I covered seven whole episodes, but and, and that's true. But the the funny thing is, I actually have another whole episode devoted just to that one scene at the wake because it's such a turning point on the show that I mm. thought I, I've got to have just one chapter just focused on that. And then, you know, it, it, it's a, it closes out a, a part of the essay. So it goes in a different direction, but there's still like several minutes just devoted to that scene. So, uh, mm. yeah. So when I watched that, 
episode, I think after 16 or after 14, because I think that's where the DVD break comes. It goes 14, and then the next disc is 15, 16, 17, mm. and so forth on the gold box. So I, I put that in the mail, and I switched all my Netflix cues to Twin Peaks. I said, <laughs> I have got to see what happens next. This show, there's like, we're halfway through the show, and they solved the mystery. And I think at the time, or maybe even if people know more about the show, they go in expecting, well, this is now that this is where it gets less interesting and they maybe even stop watching, mm. you know, they go, oh, and they fall out of it and years go by and they go, oh yeah, I never finished Twin Peaks because they lost interest. For me though, I didn't really know much about the show. So I thought this is going to get even more interesting now because yeah. Bob's out on the loop or, or, you know, they hadn't even, Leland hadn't even died yet at this mm. point. It was like, what, where can they go from here? What could possibly happen? So when it got to that wake scene, I just had this funny feeling in like the pit of my stomach and it was like getting worse as I was watching it. And this <laughs> feeling of dread just started to creep up on me. Uh. And it sort of, as they're like telling all these corny jokes, they're playing that awful music mm. and just like everybody's, and I'm like, wait a second, they're at a wake. Like I'm mentally comparing it to the Laura's funeral scene, yeah, yeah. which was so dramatic and it had humor, but it was very dark humor. It was all about the importance of her and her death. And this is like Leland, one of the biggest characters on the show. You kill her and everybody, you would never know whose funeral they're at. They're laughing and joking and they're, you know, trading barbs and lying. Yeah. And it just, it makes no sense. Even if Twin Peaks isn't a realistic show, it makes no total sense whatsoever to have awake for the, the respected member of the town who was a serial killer mm. who killed his own daughter who may have been possessed by an evil spirit from the woods and everyone there is telling like fishing jokes and <laughs> hey I haven't seen you since you were in Hawaii and they're grinning oh. ear to ear like there's not an unhappy person in that room it is so absurd it is. and yeah. not in a good way so the moment that turned it was when the two brothers are pushing each other and two people we've never seen I think the mayor was in one scene yeah, he's pilot before that yeah. two strangers and they're pushing each other into the pies and and the music's doing its like little drum roll. And I just went, oh my God, this is becoming a sitcom. Yeah. I can't believe yeah, this yeah. is happening. And I was like horrified. So for me, the, all of the, the next episodes were very colored by that. And uh, I got through them pretty quickly because I, you know, I think it was a good thing that I'd, uh, I'd converted all my, uh, you know, DVD cues to, to Twin Peaks. So I could move through that quickly. But I, I just did not have a very good impression overall of all of it. And I think I had a couple problems. One of them, I mean, was obviously, as we just discussed, the fact that it didn't deliver at all on the stuff that had been building up to that point. It mm. just went and took a deep, total detour. And then also, I didn't like how many plots were set up. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, this is going to be going somewhere. Mm -hmm. And they all just dropped after three or four episodes. Like, I thought, okay, this James Evelyn thing, it can't just be she's trying to make it. There's got to be something deeper going on. It's connected to this or that or the town or there's a – and it was like, nope, just what you thought it was and it's over. And little Nicky, you know, it's not the devil, he's gone. And then he's out. Yeah. And just realizing that the writers had no – you know, no no offense. love you know, Harley Payton and Bob Engels, and they did a lot of great work on there. But I think they were left without any safety net. Yeah. Like Frost and Lynch just kind of left them without any sort of guidance. And it was like, well, what the hell can we do now? And they're sort of, you know, they lost the storyline they mm. wanted to use. 
so I, I, you know, I have some sympathy for them, but, but really it just was very disillusioning. And then when it got to the end of that Josie episode, a lot of people really like that episode mm. and they feel like the moment when Bob and the little man pop up on the couch, it's like, or the bed, it's like, oh good, Twin Peaks is back. Thank God. For me, it was the opposite. I watched that scene and I just felt like nothing. And I thought, you know, now they've ruined the mythology. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so, this didn't seem, feel like yeah. at all how Lynch would shoot Bob or the little man. And then it's like, what is this ridiculous doorknob? So that was kind of the low point for me on the first watch. I think since then, it sort of feels like, okay, maybe that's the beginning of a comeback or something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah I remember being very disenchanted. So I think it took me, I watched the show again soon after, but I never revisited those episodes until about um, six years later, I think. Yeah, I finally yeah. went back and I said, I'm going to watch the whole show again. Because I wrote an episode guide and I just flat out skipped everything until the finale. <laughs> I said, from the from Leland's death, I covered that. And then I said, now we're going to skip to the finale. And we just yeah. did that, which I wouldn't do today, but... At the time, it was like, I'm not going to sit that again, you know? I was very disenchanted. And well, yeah. as it turns out, I think a lot of people... So it's, it's good to hear Brian's sort of fresh take without too much influence, because it, it does seem like a lot of people kind of have that experience where they get kind of disillusioned with it at that, at that point, you know? Yeah. But when I watched it the second time, I thought... Well, you know what? This isn't as bad as I remembered. It's it's got a lot of good moments. Um, the, I, I think that time watching it, I was kind of into the characters and performances. I thought they're they're having fun with it, um, but it still felt a little pointless. It felt like okay, this isn't as bad as I remembered, but it still doesn't feel. And then as I started doing um, the Journey to Twin Peaks and all that stuff, I kind of got to see more of the value. How even even though I still feel like it, they made so many mistakes going in this direction. I think ultimately where they take it in retrospect, I wouldn't say justifies, but it at least puts a lot of the stuff, I think particularly with Cooper um, in a, in a larger context where it kind of works or at least builds towards something that works. Yeah. Um, Joel, to go back to that, the bed scene, uh, we just covered that episode last week and we that 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 scene for me i felt kind of like i kind of feel the same way you did i felt i was excited to see something like that happen yeah. but i was sad that they recycled things we've already seen and they didn't give mm. us something new uh bob didn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense to me yet i don't know because i don't know beyond that episode if it's going to and Ben won't tell me, and I'm happy. But for me, I saw Bob, and I went, that doesn't make sense. And the little man does not belong yeah. on a bed. He belongs in the right room. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. it, it, okay, a part of me was like, cool, Twin Peaks is back. But at the same time, I'm like, why didn't they give us something new? And that's my yeah. biggest complaint about these episodes. And I've been trying, like, I've been telling Ben, Every show, I kind of feel like they took all the stuff we loved in the beginning and mm -hmm. they know the audience loves that stuff and they're cramming it in as much as they can. Almost recycling it. They're recycling yeah. the same cliches. So it's like the owls are heavy-handed. Every shot has an owl. There's an Ooh. owl. There's an owl. There's, owl. there's, a, there's a decoration <laughs> owl. A decoration, yeah, a, a lamp owl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, 
there's, you know, it's like all these things you love, you saw them sp- sporadically. All of a sudden, it's like, well, let's let's fill the screen with owls. Let's do a lot of um, the cliches that you loved in the beginning. Like, to give us Bob and the little man on the bed in the spotlight, it just felt like it was cool. But at the same time, I'm like, it would have been really cool to give us something new, like, and fresh. Or there, what was the point? Yeah, what was the it. point yeah. of all that? And, like, give us a giant, give us something new to right. hold. You'd be like, ooh, a new mystery. I felt like you're just recycling two things we've seen before. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I, what I thought about strange about these, <clears throat> these, especially these seven episodes, were that, like, in the first season we had this, this the, the Red Room dream kind of got us through the first season. It was, like, yeah. the clues that Cooper could take to get him to, mm-hmm. to... And then we get to the second season and we have a giant who's kind of given the clues to help Cooper on his way. And so these are all these supernatural elements. And then we get to this part after the Laura Palmer storyline. And I feel like Cooper's just lost. And maybe that's the point. Maybe yeah. he's trying to find himself. But I kind of miss that supernatural element. Like maybe they need to give him a new dream or they need to do something. Yeah. Because right now he's yeah. kind of like – It I, felt like recycled things. It's like – Well, he didn't have anywhere to go. I mean I didn't yeah. know – there was no direction. And, it's like, and I think that's the um, mechanism they use in the show to – to give Cooper a direction, and even that mechanism was lost. It was like, here's two things that, to me as a viewer, I was just like, that's great, but what does it mean? Because the giant, you, you knew, okay, he's giving him something, and the red room. Did you say the lodge? Uh, or, or oh, would I say the lodge? What what he just saw? No, sorry, I thought I think you said Cooper got lost. I thought you said oh, lodge. Think, Never mind. Keep yeah. going. Sorry. You oh no, 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 just like um. Cooper being lost, but like it would give him yeah. a direction. But yeah. this this premonition or whatever he saw, it didn't really do anything. Right. I mean, for me so far, I don't get it. Yeah, and what and Joel just said about the lodge. I do like this yeah. that mythology. We we start off the uh, I think seventeen with with Cooper and and Brit. But it's never on. been brought up. I mean, it's right. barely and, been and brought you have up. kind of X Files abduction stuff. And yeah, I, the White Lodge. The White Lodge. That, yeah. In the Black Lodge, what happened to that? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say right I now. I know, I know. But, like, I like we haven't heard anything about the Black Lodge. We heard stuff about the White Lodge, which is interesting. But it would have been cool if, like, Cooper saw something like the White Lodge at that moment. Like, the White Lodge. Yeah. There's so much talk up of the White Lodge. What if Cooper saw something like, like that? Or we just got Bob. Oh, and, we kind of Bri- I mean, that's what Major Briggs, I guess, was for. Yeah, like, he but. He seems like he might have gone to the White Lodge. Yeah. And, like, if he saw Major Briggs and he gave him the clues of what he needs that, to right. do. Yeah. That would have been cool, but. He's in the shadows. He's yeah. There, but, yeah. I just feel like they're giving us all the things you like, but nothing new. They're just yeah. recycling. Yeah. You know? Well, that's an interesting point, because I think sometimes people say, the reverse and in a weird way both are kind of true it's like well they're not giving us they've taken away too much of the twin peaks but i think you're right it's like they chose certain things to keep and do overkill with and they chose certain things to get rid of yeah and it's like the things they got rid of were a little more substance and the things they kept and hammered in were like a little more sort of superficial in a way mm, yeah. yeah like yeah. just a shot of an owl but not like a sense of mystery in the in the woods really Another interesting thing yeah. you said, you said, you know, we didn't see the White Lodge, we didn't see, and I think that's a key point. They mm. are trying to introduce some new mythology in this section, mm. and I, I agree, I think it's the Lodge stuff, but it's all verbal. Yeah. There's no, yeah. The show was so visual before, and you would see the images, and then you try and figure them out, mm. and now they're just telling you things. They're saying, there's a lodges, there's a dweller on the threshold, there's... Um, 
one of the other things they talk about, you know, Project Blue Book. Right. And other than that one scene, which, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but I like it, um, where Briggs is sitting on a throne and they're zooming yeah. in slowly. You know, that's kind of campy, but it's fun, and at least they're showing you something. Yeah, they're giving cool. you a visual to look at. And uh, I think that's part of the problem with this stretch of episodes. And it really, to me, you know, I think it, I think we can afford to give you a little context on this, which is that David Lynch basically, and I guess Harley Payton will, will maybe, in your interview, um, clarify this a little bit. But according to, to most people, Lynch creatively was not as involved. He may have been around the office. He may have been sort of available but he wasn't having the input he had before. And you can see that, um, and same thing with Mark Frost, actually. If you look at the credits, um, Frost hasn't written an episode since Leland died, and Lynch hasn't directed one since um, Leland was revealed as the killer. So yeah. that's now almost 10, ep- that's 10 episodes. Yeah, I no. Nine episodes Nine, yeah. have gone by that Lynch has not directed and I think seven episodes, you've just watched seven episodes that Frost didn't write. Now, he's, Frost was still supervising the script right. and everything like that, but you know, these are the two creators, and they're really not having a hand. So Lynch was really the one who always would think visually, and he would mm. give the show those touchstones, and then Frost or other writers could grab it and run with it. Okay, so we got this red room, we got this little man, we got these lines, the gummy like, now what are we going to do with that? And they had something to work with. They're kind of like flying blind now because Lynch isn't stepping in to give them interesting visual motifs or things to work with. And the one thing that David Lynch so did do, stuck a little bit. Right. what David Lynch did to ask for visual was his idea was the whole Josie in the uh, yeah, drawer. Yeah, good point. That was her, point. which yeah. is a little yeah. bizarre. You don't yeah. know what to make of it, but that <laughs> yeah. was, that, but that was his input, and I mean Harley would say from his interview that that Lynch was around, but I don't. I think he would say that he wasn't really a manager. Mark Frost was good at being the manager, yeah. And I think yeah. Lynch was about being stylistic and artist and stuff like that. And so, yeah, he would throw things in there, but sometimes he would, David Lynch would throw things in which would kind of mess up the whole script or something like that, where you couldn't just change things the day before. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. So I think. Yeah, that, I remember you mentioned that in Reflections. Yeah, that there was Brad a, Duke's a scene he wanted someone to shoot, and it was the night before. Right. <laughs> and so I think Harley Payton would have these disagreements with Lynch about this and say, you know, I can't just we can't just change everything on on the spot. We and especially because the the reason they were doing things the way they were was to lead to the next episode. <laughs> yeah. And I think Harley would say that that wasn't Lynch's style. He wasn't thinking, you know, three yeah. episodes ahead and yep. stuff. He was thinking yeah. about that. So. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really fascinating. I mean, I know I've I've thought about it a long time too. What was Lynch's involvement in the second season and stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was great to hear from him. Yeah, uh, hardly about yeah. that. But it's pretty cool. So yeah, so this was, I, you also brought up in 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 chapter thirteen of your journey through Twin Peaks about the Cooper and and uh, Audrey romance and how that oh. that was a, that was. <laughs> a, can we talk? I guess we're talking. We can talk about that. <laughs> I didn't I, know. Yeah, I might not. To, okay. I think I, I think I've brought okay. it up to, already to. Uh, well, right to now, Brian. Billy yeah. Zane. What are your What are your thoughts on it, Brian? I my, guess put oh, it that way before we say anything. Well, last I, Billy Zane is in the picture, and I think that Billy Zane and uh, Audrey are having sparks. Okay, so that, in, in the story, that's where I am. But um, Cooper and Audrey, I don't think. Well, I, I don't know if we discussed this with you, Joel. I mean. I must have discussed this on the show before, but like... Yeah, I heard you talk about it. Yeah, I think Audrey and Cooper, for me, I watch the show and I feel like, 
she has a, a crush on him. Like if like a, a girl had a crush on their teacher or something, she looks up to him. He, you know, and I think she has a crush on him, but I look at it like a father, like he looks to me, he feels like a father figure to her, hmm. but yeah, I know when season three hits, I don't know if, you know, whatever, maybe they could be, be together. I don't know. But for right now, I think in the show, um, it makes sense to have her have a relationship with someone more close to her age and Cooper yeah. being the boy scout that he is. I could not see him date a high school student. Mm. Yeah, it'd be kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know any of the behind-the-scenes stuff? I know that Cooper did... Uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin found it would be weird if he dated her, because I think he was going out with... The uh, actress who plays Donna. Who plays yeah. Donna. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I think he probably... I think what I read was, or Ben told me, he felt uncomfortable about that. And it wouldn't feel like a Cooper thing to do. Right? Yeah. I guess so. He I, felt like it wasn't true to the character to yeah. do that. And a lot of people, you know, allege that it was really Lara Flynn Boyle pushing him to say that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily... I I have no problem believing that she and Sherilyn Finn did not get along and yeah. she didn't really want... But I, I do think that Kyle McLaughlin was being honest about the character... Yeah, that he didn't think it was a good decision for him to romance a high schooler, basically. Yeah, the straight arrow. Right. So it always it's always interesting to me because they did plan that they had it written out. Or they had a it all planned. This is going to happen next, and that you can all kind of see in the second season, the beginning of it, like they're planning for that. You yep. know, yep. Like okay, they're setting the ground stone. You know, he's rescuing her from one eyed jacks. Yeah, all these little seeds are there and then it's just dropped like a hot potato i don't i don't think they drop it very gracefully they don't you know, there's a lot of stuff they don't do gracefully in that yeah. stretch yeah. as to whether they should have or not that gets into a sort of complicated question which i think is about how they handle it first of all and you know could they handle it in a way that actually made it look like cooper was making a mistake Oh. And would that have been consistent? Because I do wonder, because they talk about it like it would just be this great romance mm. <laughs> to sort of hide people over during the mid-season until they built up to the finale. And we haven't talked at all about Wyndham Earl yet, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yes. But um, so, so that's kind of how people talk about it. But I wonder, would they maybe have made it a little more compelling? Because they are showing right now Cooper having more of a dark side. They're showing him... His, his, um, he talks about, um, I gotta be careful what I say because I know that. Well, I mean, they, they do say that he, he basically did have an affair with his, his yeah. ex partner. Okay, so, so they, yeah. they do say that. Yeah, yep. I can't yep. remember. I can never remember if that was like the 23 or 24 or what. Okay. Yep. So they, so they, they show that. They show that he's out of the FBI and mm. he's a little bit humiliated. He's in flannel. You know, one of the fun things I did with the video, um, not chapter 13, but the one right before that is I did a split-screen montage where I show the characters in the first season hmm. and then how they appear in mid-season. And it's almost a hilarious stark contrast. Like, you get Cooper all shiny and his hair slicked back in his suit, <laughs> and then he's got, like, a bruise on his face, and he's wearing flannel, and he's frowning, and he's one shot he's standing up, and he's another one he's sitting down. So you really see this dramatic shift. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they could have made it like him having an affair with Audrey was 
a mistake he was making that was sort of leading back to his path. Mm. So I think that potentially, it could have been interesting if they played that way. If they just tried to make it, pass it off as, like, you know, which I'm kind of afraid they might have done, given how they handle a lot of other stuff, um, that just like this, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, she's 18, it's okay. But, you know, she's very immature, and she's very, like, sort of lost, and he knows, you know. So I, I, I think I agree with you, Brian, that it would have been the wrong thing for him to do as a character. Yeah. But I think dramatically, if they recognize that, maybe they could have done something interesting with it. But, of course, we'll never know. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Cooper did... Yeah. <laughs> Cooper did kind of... Uh, in one of the episodes, Cooper did talk to Audrey about his past and that he had a... Yeah. About a woman yeah. and stuff like that. And he kind of leads... Basically, kind of says, "I was, you know, you were part of an investigation, the Laura Palmer thing," and yeah. he kind of hints at it. But they could, you're right, they could have said it better. That hey, I had, I made mistakes in the past with a woman, and I'm not going to make mistakes with you. Yeah, I think. It, but you know, in your in your in chapter 13, your video essay there, I thought you made a great point about they could have been soulmates without them falling. Well, in that's love. the other aspect, of right? It. If yep. they're not going to do the romance, if that's not going to happen, they're not going to make it positive or negative. They're just not going to do it. Fine. But why did they stop ever talking to each other? Like, yeah. I think there's seven or eight or however many episodes that go by, and she kisses them in that episode with Denise. Right. Yeah. That's the last time, right? Never see them together again, at least certainly not up to the point that you're at now. Yeah. No, I don't no. think they're ever even in the same scene. And that seems that seems kind of silly to me. It's like, do you really... I did Because did he really go up to them and say, I don't want any more scenes with her? I somehow doubt it you know so i wish they hadn't gone to that extreme well you're not gonna have a romance fine let's just separate the characters completely that's a big loss to the show because they had such a great dynamic and chemistry Mm. yes and it pushed the story forward and the characters forward quite a bit so that's a loss. and audrey drifts a lot in these episodes i think Mm. you know that's that's sort of a sad thing to see is that great character I really think through the entire second season, she's underserved. Even the early parts where they're they're good, they got her. I think the first couple, the the premiere, she's good. The second Lynch one, where she strangles Emery Battis, she's good. Mm. And then after that, she's on drugs. She's yeah. passed out. <laughs> I know she had pneumonia, so maybe that was why they did it. But she, they, they just from that episode on, up to the point you're at now. Um, and you know, sad to say, for some more to come, they just really have sort of taken the life out of that character and she was you know some people would say she was the best character on the show in the first yeah. season so that's bad to say it is yeah she's like turning into a businesswoman right now and uh, she <laughs> yeah. doesn't go to school anymore good, and but, uh, <laughs> but i kind of miss the older that she's manipulative and she was yeah yeah, yeah and she, yeah this it's, it's how about the fact that they never wanted to arrest ben for running a brothel yeah. funneling girls from his store to a brothel uh, I know he did <laughs> there's so many dropped storylines that <laughs> yep. drive me nuts it's like it's like they just hit a reset button on episode 17 and we're like let's just you know almost start over yep. and yeah. forget everything that came before so you brought up Wyndham Earl do you want your take on, on Wyndham Earl so we finally I forgot what episode it was but we finally Leo stumbles yeah. into his cabin and there we finally see Wyndham Earl yeah that, yeah, that was a cool scene meeting we Wyndham see Wyndham Earl and he's spooky and he's sitting there and he's a little bit menacing and charming and you think oh this character's gonna be good and then the next scene <laughs> you see him in Long John's playing a flute yeah <laughs> yep. I think what you said Brian if you said, called him a, a nymph or an elf or yeah he looked like a, <laughs> he looked like an elf like he's dancing around and he was like he's like yeah. um 
he reminded me when he had the mustache, one of those like a villain from a cartoon. Oh, like yes. he's gonna start like. Oh, absolutely! He's a cartoon villain all the way. Right. Yeah, that's and you almost kind of like. just have to accept it and roll with it. And I think he's got some good scenes and and even some good episodes coming up. But there's a few there's a few issues with him that I I found. So I mean, are you how do you feel about him right now, Brian? Well, <clears throat> right now, yeah. I mean, I don't. I have a question for you, Joel. I asked Ben this, sure. and this is we're trying. I'm trying to figure out what kind of. Oh, sorry. Oh, me. bless you. Uh, what kind of person was he when he was with Cooper as a cop? Because he comes oh, off as psychotic. That's a great question. I haven't even really thought about that enough. He's a That's villain. A question. Yeah, but like he's a villain now. And yeah. he just had one traumatic break. Um, you know, his his yeah. his wife was with Cooper. We don't know if they were rom- like they might have liked each other. We don't know how far yeah. it went. He was in love with her. She was in love with him. And maybe they felt guilty about it. We know that he was the killer. He probably killed her and left mm-hmm. the body. And Cooper put the pieces together. So we know we kind of know this. But does that mean? That was the switch that made him psychotic. Was he psychotic before, and he was good at hiding it? Like, and they will, and we will get to an episode where we learn a little bit more of his backstory. And I think also, yes, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, there's the autobiography. If we consider that canon, the book, uh, Dale Cooper's mm. book, I think there's a little bit of backstory on that case and working with him as a partner. But were they partners yeah. for a long time? Like, you can you can indulge me. I in that, right I mean, now. I can't remember. I feel, I feel like it's definitely a few years and stuff. But that I I feel I was trying to remember when we were watching the epi- one of the episodes. If it's been four years since the the death of Carolyn, I can't remember how long. I think they that were. sounds right because I feel like in the book it says like around seventy five or so, and I do know that you know, all the Caroline Wyndham Cooper stuff takes place in nineteen seventy nine. So ten oh, years. Okay. The Twin Peaks takes place. In 1989, so it's 10 years before that. Okay. Um, that they said it. So yeah, four years. That sounds about. Yeah. I don't know if they ever really say in the TV that. show, but we can yeah. look at the book at some time. So do do you guys think he was psychotic the whole time? Like, what what kind of partner was he? I mean, I think we'll learn more. Uh, the so I episodes. will learn more about. I that. think there's at least another. I like the idea that he's eccentric, but <laughs> yeah. he seems like a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Like in, in that at that time. That's if I'm gonna do it, you know, head cannon and mm. envision. Wyndham Earl in the mid to late seventies. He's a little bit like I could see him like staring off into space and <laughs> and, and kinda, you know, acting odd, but 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 kinda you know, straightforward. Certainly not like laughing hysterically and yeah. dancing around or whatever. Playing the flute. But like this very concentrated kind of um you know, brilliant mentor figure who 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 Cooper's kind of in awe of. I could, I could totally see that. That would be I could I could buy that, you know. Totally. And then I think, yeah, the switch probably comes around that time. Now, whether that's because of Cooper and Caroline or because of something else or if it's an earlier thing, you know, there's all kinds of... Some of that we'd have to wait to get into, I think, until after the series and even really after the book a little bit. Mm. Yeah. All right. At least I'll, I'll find out more about his pasts. Now, actually... We'll that question for later. Okay. All right. <laughs> for the end of the show. We'll put a pin in that. So, so another thing, I guess. Oh, yeah. What were you no, going to no, say? No, no. going to say, Joel. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit about the Josie stuff, because that's certainly the last couple episodes you watched. That really becomes the main storyline, I think. I think for a while, it's 
Cooper and the drugs is kind of the main storyline that gets resolved, and then it's really to kind of move on to Josie, resolving oh, yeah. Josie, and that becomes the thing. So what did you what did you think of all of that? Well, uh, we have to talk. Josie's my least favorite character, you know, like yeah. since the beginning of the show. It was convoluted, and mm. I never really attacked, like, I never, like, you know, cared that much. And mm. this this section of the show makes you focus more on her, and you feel bad. I feel bad for, um, you Truman, know, Truman. Yeah. I feel bad for Truman, because I like Truman a lot. So I think that's my yeah. connection to her is through Truman's eyes. You're kind of mm. like, you feel bad for him. You emphasize with him. Um, and it was weird how she died. Did she die from a heart attack? Did, was that a metaphor of her, her heart breaking? Like, did she have? Yeah. What, what did she, she doesn't have the from? will to live. I think yeah, she, yeah. she died from whatever killed uh, Padme in, in the Star Wars. That's what people. I was thinking. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Side of the Force got her. Uh, <laughs> yep. Episode three. Episode three. Or what is she, yeah. did she? Maybe she took a like a pill to kill herself. I don't know. I feel like she didn't want to go to jail. She did not want to come to any... She didn't want to pay for any of the things she's done wrong. Yeah. And she felt bad for Truman. I told you in the script of episode 23, I thought they, the script seemed to uh, do a better job explaining that she was going to kill herself. Like, she in the in the actual show, she has the gun up against her, like up against yeah. her chest, but it's not as clear that she was going to actually kill herself. And then... It, yeah, she yeah. just dies or faints. Well, I think in the next episode you're going to watch, they do address it. I don't know okay. how satisfactorily they address it, but they, you know, I'm... They, they address what, what her cause of death may have been, and, and then later on they tie that in with other things. So. And it wasn't in the drawer? <laughs> I really thought it would be in the drawer. Why did they get the, the whole drawer that... The knob. Oh, her face on the knob. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah thought... that apparently was David Lynch's idea. That right. was his one... As far as I can tell, that was just like one big addition to like all of these episodes. Like yeah. there's nothing, you know, it was like he, other than wanting some scene with Catherine that they apparently didn't shoot mm-hmm. is, is the only thing I've heard confirmed that's like, oh, David Lynch was the one who came up with this Yeah, was the doorknob. And I think he was like overseas in like an, oh, an Japan, art, doing an art show yeah, in yeah. Japan or yeah, something. Yeah. And it called up and they were like, yeah, you know, David, Joan Chen is... She wants to leave the show. She's going to do a movie, and and you know what are we going to do? I guess we got to kill her off. And <laughs> he said, "I've got it. Josie's soul is in the draw pool." There you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Oh, okay. And it was like they couldn't like. What are you talking? Well, okay, I guess we got to do it. So they did it. It's right. just like it's kind of. I don't say it's half-assed, but it's a little bit. It's like people who have no clue what. The other person wants trying to do that thing yeah. and i can't blame them i don't know i would have had any clue what, what he right. wanted either but it's like they're like oh, okay i guess we'll go with it you know and that whole thing happened so yeah we i will f- say in retrospect with other things that happen on the show and in the long run i don't love how it's executed but that idea i think ties in with other interesting ideas hmm. we'll sort of leave it at that okay yeah. for now yeah. We had a the- I had a theory that she was 
in the you know the drawer knob, which is made out of wood, which is from the trees or probably made from the forest from Twin Peaks, and she's in that world now because we and saw Bob, yeah, the dimension, yeah. and like she's trapped in the trees. I don't know. It's the only actually, thing. That's a good. You know, we can actually address it because now that I think about, it, they don't really ever. They don't bring that part of it up again. I don't think they ever. I don't think. No. They ever even say who? Because I don't think Cooper sees her in there. I think just nope. me and the audience do. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So actually, yeah. There's there's one more line coming up in like three or four episodes. It's a total throwaway line, um, where they sort of reference what you're talking about. Yeah. But there's actually some stuff beforehand that happens. So one of them is, um, you know, the log lady. I know Captain Coulson said or he didn't think her husband was in the log, so. Maybe it's not that literal, but it does sort of tie into that idea of there being spirits in the world. And that's just her opinion, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is something somebody pointed out to me, like years after watching it, there's a scene three episodes earlier where Major Briggs, where he's being interrogated, the whole scene with the throne, you know, him on the throne in the jungle or whatever, yeah. and the, the, the symbol spinning through space. He puts his fingers on the wood table and he says, is this for the soul, oh, my yeah. soul? right. And I... that is is definitely some sort of tie-in to um, the other stuff about souls trapped in wood. And yeah, like you said, you know, Bob and the trees and all that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a pretty astute observation. I think you picked up on it a lot faster than I did <laughs> when I watched it because I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, and I that was like my my total reaction. <laughs> yeah, that well, mine too. But then when you know when we do our show, we we watch it. You get and, to analyze it. And yeah, yeah I, and I was just like, well, it's wood. Everything goes back to the woods. Yeah, and she's in it. In ish, and then now you just ma- mentioned that line that Major Bridge says, and I've never realized that. I, and I was always wondering what he. I never understood what he said when he was saying that too. Is this for the soul? And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> So the fact that he's touching the wood makes yeah. it the wooden table. I think and fascinating. That's that whole scene—that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole mid-season because it—it's like whole episodes will go by and you'll get nothing, and then you get one scene here and there that feels like it's like marching the baton forward a little bit, mm, you know. Yeah. And that's one of them. They even have the ceiling. Um, the water cooler drip, which is definitely a huge callback to Leland. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah which definitely. is like they never reference. That's another thing, actually, we should get into is I know I've heard you talk about it, how Laura and Leland and the Palmers and, you know, even Bob until he comes back for Josie's thing, that whole thing is just gone. And, yeah. and that was the pilot episode of the show is literally for – I mean, the whole episode's about Laura, but especially that first 45 minutes, like, Cooper isn't even there yet. Mm. It's just about this girl dying and the impact she had on the town, and that's a whole, that's, you know, an hour of broadcast time. That's an entire episode. Yeah. And that's how the show began. So I think me being a film buff and not really used to TV shows kind of going in different directions going it's like well that's the story you set up how why do you stop telling it right. so that was that was another thing that was kind of hard for me to swallow it's like well wait a second you told us this story's about laura palmer yeah and how she's gone now now it's over and we're still here <laughs> why, and, why and, what's going on and they know? still have the picture of laura at the end of the, the credits in the credits too so it's yeah. like how can you, you why are you even why do you even bother to put that at the end of the credits if it's not yeah. about laura palmer and yeah that's a good question, and I have a little pet theory about it. 
and who knows, it's probably not true. But um, if you notice, there's one episode. The only episode there's so she she never appears at the end of um, the David Lynch episodes except for two. Hmm. She appears at the end of the pilot because that's establishing you know the template of the show. Right. And she appears at the end of episode nine, which is the one where Bob crawls over the couch and, mm. and you know attacks Maddie. Now, um, the only thing that makes episode nine stand out from the other Lynch episodes is there's no image of Laura in it, mm. um, and it doesn't like solve her. So, like episode fourteen doesn't have an image of Laura other than you know maybe a picture on the wall. Um, but it's all about solving her mystery, so obviously she's a huge part of it. So it almost mm-hmm. makes me wonder, did David Lynch make a point of, like, Laura has to be at the end of every show unless mm-hmm. we actually make her the subject of the episode? Like, episode eight, the premiere, you get right. that flashback to her death. Episode two, you see her in the red room. So she's always in the episodes that she's not at the end of. And now the funny thing is, there is one episode not directed by Lynch, where they don't use her in the end credits. Mm. Um, and there's a perfectly logical explanation for that, which is that uh, they have Ben Horn's home movies, and they're really cool, and yeah. they want to show them. Right. And yeah. that's 90%, I'm sure, what it is. Right. But there is an interesting little thing about that. In that episode, Ben Horn holds up a portrait of Laura, and he says, you know, I was accused of killing Laura Palmer. It's one of the few shout-outs to her, and it's the only time... Um, at least up to the point you're at now, it's the only time there's an image of Laura in the show itself. Hmm. So it oh. makes me wonder, was there like a, a unwritten rule or a written rule that, you know, Laura must be in the show or she's got to be in the end credits? Yeah. Like, you've got to have... So it's kind of funny to, to wonder, and maybe, it's, like I said, could be total coincidence, but that is the only time you actually see an image of Laura in the show itself um, for this whole, you know... Stretch. That is really and something. And too, they got that one headline that um, Roger Hardy, the FBI agent, is reading the paper, which I would love to read that article. It says, <laughs> you know, town mourns Leland Palmer. It's like, well, good. Tell us how they mourned him, because we sure as hell didn't see that right, at the wake. Right. Oh, the paper. <laughs> Who writes that paper is horrible. The Gazette there. The Gazette. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like that you mentioned that it was probably David Lynch that maybe said that she, uh, Laura Palmer's picture has to be in every every credit. Yeah. And stuff. Especially when you've mentioned yeah. it before, that it seems like David Lynch is very much faceted in Laura Palmer. Like, he yep. he doesn't want to let it go, and, and we can get to it in the future why and maybe go back to it. But it's interesting that it, it does seem like David Lynch is not done with Laura Palmer. And so no. even if we're not doing the mystery anymore, maybe he, he wants her in the credits and stuff. To remind us. Yeah. yeah, and if you look at the real reasons he left the second season, the stuff he says doesn't make sense. He says, I want to direct Wild at Heart. Well, That's Wild at Heart came a little history lesson for, <laughs> for everybody. Wild at Heart came, premiered at Con in May 1990, mm. which is when the first season was wrapping up and ABC had not yet commissioned the second season. So there was no second season when Wild at Heart was done. Mm. So it, well, by the time, and then to top it off, when, when the second season starts, he's directing half of the first eight hours. He right. does the premiere, he does the follow-up, he does the reveal. It's only after the reveal that he disappears, at which point Wild at Heart had been in theaters for months. It probably left theaters already. Mm. So that doesn't wash. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'm sure he remembers it that way, but obviously something else pulled him from it. And I think the logical conclusion um, especially, you know, given more stuff, we won't get into as much now. Um, but he clearly 
was drawn to Laura Palmer as a character, like you said. Mm. And I think the idea of removing her from the story um, was kind of disenchanted him from the show. Mm. That's the only kind of speculation I can draw based on the pattern of when he was there and when he wasn't and everything like that. I mean, so it seems sense. like to him, he, he's a filmmaker too. Right. It's good to remember, he, a filmmaker has a story, and he talks about how he loves an ongoing story, but if you mm. listen to how he describes it, it's very different from like Mark Frost or other TV showrunners. How they they would say ongoing story means you know you add new things, you go different places, it turns into something else. You know, Frost was very much about look, let's end the storyline. We're going to start up a new one, get the Window Merrill thing going, new story, new arc, chart it out over these episodes. You know, it's a very like logical sort of um, relay race approach to, to, to TV storytelling. Mm. But Lynch is always about, it's not about getting to the end and starting a new beginning. He's mm. about stretching out the middle. Mm. That's how he talks about right. ongoing stories. He says, and then, you know, Laura would be there in the background and other characters would come to the foreground, but be there like the sun, you know. So like, I think in his mind, a TV show was like a super long movie. Yeah. Where yeah. it begins and then the middle goes on and on and on and on and on. You don't get to the end. Whereas for Fox, it was like you do beginning, middle, end. Then you do a new beginning, middle, end. Then you do a new. And it was like moving on to the next thing. So, yeah, I think that's part of it, too, is like he just felt like you've ended this story. Why is it still going on? Right. Yeah. It's funny. So the bring... interesting thing will be, and I won't spoil this for you, but. Um, you know he's coming back in 2016-17, so yeah. that part, that much is obvious. Yeah. The question is, what, if anything, would bring him back to the show, and how would he deal with this material now? Because mm. it isn't, it's, it's, excuse me, gone so long without his touch at this point. You're, like I said, you're nine episodes past anything he's directed. Yeah. You know, and so that becomes, that, I remember that fascinated me on my first viewing. Like, is he going to direct again? And if he does... <laughs> What's he going to do with all this, right. you know? How is he going to make it his again, so? It's funny you bring up that, that Lynch maybe sees it as one long movie. I mean, when they're talking about the new series mm. in 2017, they were, uh, I think it's basically the president of Showtime is saying, it's like one long movie that, that Lynch is making. He's filming all of them back to back and they'll edit it in the, you know, yeah. they'll figure it. And I didn't understand that quote. It's like, what are you talking about? They have nine scripts. There's probably separate storylines. Yeah. But then for you to describe how Lynch looks at it, I, I kind of get it now. Yeah, I understand yeah. what you're yeah. saying that it, to him, it is one long movie and stuff. I, I, can, I get it. cuts where you and need to. And on top to, of that, know. my understanding with this is they don't have nine long, nine long scripts. They actually have one gigantic script and yeah. they haven't decided how they're going to split it into episodes, which is totally fascinating. That is so fascinating. Wow. So, yeah, and, and he's shooting it like as he would shoot a movie. So it's like, okay, shoot scenes from, you know, the beginning, the middle of the end because we're at this location now. It's, it's sort of like how they shot um, True Detective. Hmm, they yeah. shot all of the... 95 footage and then they went and they shot the 2012 footage even though it's all intercut within various episodes i didn't even know they that. didn't do it That's in episode cool. units they did it all and i think maybe the nick too, the the steven soderbergh show like whenever they've got one director directing the whole thing it seems much more likely that they're just gonna take it and shoot it like more as a movie but wow. i mean by the same token true detective was scripted as episodes mm, so yeah. if this isn't it's still pretty <clears throat> unusual. Yeah. 
And, and just to remind people too about David Lynch, he never wanted to solve the Laura Palmer ca- case. That's true. He he wanted he always wanted it could be five years later and and Cooper's still trying to figure out who killed Laura Palmer. That would have been pretty cool. It could have been. I don't think. I mean, yeah. I I'm glad it was revealed because the show could have been canceled. But but we still have the killer out there. In my opinion, Bob. Yeah. I mean, Bob is not a person you might not be able to ca- put in a jail cell, but he's a a spirit or a thought or something. The he's something that needs to be stopped. Exactly. So Bob is kind of almost like that that killer. Yeah. We don't know what he sees Bob. So that would Cooper sees Bob, right? Cooper yeah. sees Bob. So yeah. that was intriguing, but you know, you know, we talked about that. It could have been better, but you know, yeah. we saw Bob. So that makes you like, oh, Bob's still around. And I thought, was Bob Josie? What was? Why was Bob there? Who does he represent in that right. room? And I can't think of who other than Josie. Or you know, I don't. You're know. trying to put a human, yeah, uh, human touch with it. on with the spirit. With yeah, the spirit. I don't know yeah. if you can. Well, we'll have fun. I told I told um, Ben yeah. this. I know at some point we wanted to talk about the mythology, and I think even before you get to the final episode, there's sort of a spot where you can pause and look back and be like, uh, maybe it makes a little more sense after the final episode, but you can sort of look at things that were developed even during the week episodes and be like. Okay, this actually kind of ties together in an interesting way. You know? Yeah. Even though I don't think Lynch and Frost, why well, I, I pretty much know based on what both of them and everyone else has said, they weren't working together on this, mm. on on developing it. You know. Right. I, th- I don't like, know if it was their manager, but they basically had had a sit down uh, lunch and had to bring Lynch and Frost. Yeah, together. I read that. <laughs> yeah, and it was something where it's like they're not talking, they're not working together. We need to bring these guys and save the show. But let's save that for another time. Let's. Yes. I would love to have yeah, you back on. Definitely. Uh, the, uh, after, after the series, yeah. so after the series, before Firewalk with me, we'd love to have you back on and kind of maybe uh, kind of look at the last few episodes of the of the series. Yeah, I'm excited to get through these last this last stretch of yeah. episodes. Like um, six episodes, yeah. six yeah. episodes left, and um, I mean, all in all, it, it has it is a big mush in a way. I I can't say episodes like you guys can, but I can say storylines. And I'm happy a lot of these storylines disappeared. I'm very sad that Albert is not coming back. Yes. Ben has told me that Albert's not coming back. That's no more Josie, no more James, no more Albert. I could care less about Josie and James. Say no. Huh? Something. How can I put this? <laughs> you may not have. Pat, what he said is correct. And yet I will also say you may not have seen the last of Albert. That's true. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, there might be a way that he, he comes back. But I don't know, I, but that, that's cool to hear. Yeah, I know. I have to say, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave it like that. Too, All right. Cause... And James, <laughs> I thought, uh, I you know, like James went off and did his spinoff TV show that failed. You know, oh, like oh, what are you talking about? That? <laughs> yeah, the, the, exactly. Marsh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like Joey what from Friends. What a strange idea to do that. Right. <laughs> Who would have thought they would like, actually, it's like, let, the name of the show was called Twin Peaks. Let's have our character leave Twin Peaks and do a storyline. And like, yeah. it's like, it was it was ballsy in some ways, but it's like doesn't make any sense. The, the show is Twin Peaks. We focus on Twin Peaks. And his character is so dull. Yeah. And drab. It's just. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about Brian. I thought, well, he you know he couldn't deal with the the uh, losing his girlfriend. Laura Palmer got murdered, yeah. and now he's in the same situation where a woman's getting beat up by her husband. How do you well, handle that? But they didn't. They didn't really do a good job addressing it, but it no. seems like here's a chance for a guy who couldn't save his girlfriend to maybe, redeem himself. Redeem himself. But, yeah. 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 It was kind of horrible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, Joel, thank you for being on the show. We, it was yes. great talking with you. And uh, yeah, you guys too. And what, what, what do you guys? What do you got next? You got some other uh, projects? I mean, oh, I, I don't. We don't have much time, but I know you're doing the Prisoner now. You're you're, you're watching the Prisoner. And yeah, I'm blog- glad you brought that up. It's. I love the show. I I've mean, never seen it. I know. I've been telling you, you got to see it sometime. Yeah, yeah. It's. A, I think. What is it like? Sixteen episodes, something like that. It's not that many. Mm-hmm. 18, 17, 17 episodes. 17 episodes. That's it? What, 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 was it on a Fox? What was no, it on? So, <laughs> what is it? 1960s. It's, so it's, it's, we're talking, you know, Oh, okay. We're talking a, a long time all ago. All right, all right. But it's a great, it's a great series. It's yeah. like, it's got this uh, agent who, who has been uh, dragged to an island. He's been kidnapped and on an island. And he, he won't say his name. He, he's not a number. He, <laughs> but, Sounds like Lost and Twin Peaks. It is. It's like, smushed it's, together. Yes. Yeah, well, Frost, Mark Frost apparently loved it and was influenced by it. Wow, cool! I'll have to check it and, out. And, and I mean, well, so, yeah, I'm doing a weekly series and a viewing diary. And the fun thing about it is, I'm watching the show for the first time, so I'm like Brian in this. I have no idea where it's going. Yeah, you know? and it's just like flying blind. And so I think it, it'll be fun for people to read who've seen it to sort of relive that, and it'll be fun for people to read who haven't, who are hopefully watching it. And along with me, and it's all on YouTube, you know, the whole series. So it's out wow. there. It's on Netflix, on DVD. So, um, and you don't know where it goes, right? You don't know the end. I don't know where it goes. I Excellent. know it has an amazing finale that, yeah. that people compare to Twin Peaks wow. uh, finale. And uh, so that should be interesting. But I don't, yeah, I have no, really, pretty much avoided almost all spoilers. I know one little thing that I stumbled across that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, honestly. Hmm. I'm basically a, a, the actor who's going to play somebody in the in the final episode. Cool. That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's somebody, it's, it's, yeah. But but it's 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 pretty. So it's funny you mentioned that because also Sparkwood in 21, after they interviewed me, they interviewed uh, John Bernardi, another listener, and he brought the prisoner up too. So it's like <laughs> one of those things where suddenly you hear it everywhere and you see it everywhere when you start, you know, it's coincidence. What does the Cooper say when uh, two or more things? Or I forget, I'm not going to exactly, it, but yeah. It, but it's like we we should play. We should pay strict attention to this. Yes. The fact that uh, two people have talked about the prisoner, and now I'm talking about the prisoner. So I know. it's something special. I think it's I intrigued like, me. I have to check it out. I feel like there's an anniversary coming up. Maybe it's probably going to be 2018 I or something think like that. Next <laughs> year is the 50th anniversary. 50th, yeah. Because wow. I think it was 1967. Okay. Right, so I've been. I, I want to get the Blu-ray because I, I want. I really do love the series, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hold off for the 50th anniversary because I'm sure yeah. they'll come out with a new Blu-ray. And yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> well, awesome. We definitely should check that out, Brian. You really should. should yeah, watch it. It sounds good. I will check yeah. it out. Well, Joel, thank you again for being on the show. We we can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, I can't wait to get these six episodes. I, I really am dying to see the finale to see what happens. Yeah, you're all so this. close. It's it's crazy. You're so close to the end. I know. This journey has been amazing. <laughs> I, and I've loved it all the way through. You know, with all the, com- you know, we cr- we criticize and critique things, but all in all, it's been awesome watching it. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, so. And I missed it over so, the holidays, so. Let's do a little um, thing. We'll do it again. I guess I'm going to appear. You said you want to do it after the show, but before the movie. Yeah. Right. And then we'll, I know we'll discuss after the movie at one point. You got a whole lineup. I can't wait to hear that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's do this little little game. And one of the things I can only ask you this time, and the other thing I can ask you again afterwards. 
Okay. Um, are, so are you are you still pretty unspoiled, or have you kind of stumbled across some images? You can cut this part out if you don't want listeners to know. But oh, my no. curiosity, have you stumbled across anything that kind of gives anything away? Are you pretty... In all honesty, I never knew who the killer was. And yeah. I think the internet and getting into the community of Twin Peaks has been really good about not spoiling that or talking about that. Um, there might have been pictures that I've seen that I didn't even know what a, a pertained to, you know, it, it went to into the storyline. So for me, mm. it meant nothing. It was like Happy Father's Day meme with Leland. Right, and right. Ben's like, I can't believe you posted that photo, like after the fact. Yeah. Because that was when he was looking in the mirror when right. you knew he was crazy. Or he was Bob. He was right. Bob. And for me, I just saw that photo. And I'm like, oh, it's Leland. He's a dad. Yeah. Right, happy yeah. Father's Day. And there is one well, photo. Probably the shot where he was turned slightly away and you can't That's see true. Bob's That's true. face. Yeah. So there's a shot they use where it's like, you can if you look for it, it's like, oh, that's Bob in the mirror. But mm. yeah, here's what I my two questions for you. Yeah, are um, without getting into things that you may have um, kind of peek of or feel like you are spoiled or to see things coming without getting into that stuff. Yeah. Where do you see the show going in the next six episodes? If you had to predict, what do you think the show is sort of leading towards? Or what events are going to sort of unfold, you know? Um, I would want to see, or I hope this show is going, is Cooper gets out of his funk because of the images we just saw. Cooper is, you know, he's been lost. Yeah, we don't, he's like, he, you know, he's not part of the FBI anymore. He's not wearing his suit anymore. You know, I think he gets out of his funk somehow and he goes back to old Cooper, I would hope, by the end of the series. Um, uh, I think the horns, you know, that Mr. Whelan's going to help Wheeler, yeah. Wheeler, him and Audrey are, might hook up, but might not. And then Audrey still likes Cooper. Um, so maybe something happens with them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with Norma sister coming around makes me uneasy because I feel like that's just another obstacle between her and big, you know, Ed. And I kind of like them together, kind of mm -hmm. like that. And I feel like having. Do you a think the sister is going to be um, a problem for Norma? Like the other yeah, one? Yeah, I uh, think the Ryan sister. Ryan was saying on the last episode that, that his uh, Norma's sister is going to get between Big Ed and yeah. Norma, and that maybe the sister will uh, put the moves on Big Ed. Yeah, I, that's so what I thought. Now that Nadine is sort of out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that couple, it works, but without drama, without the soap opera. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's not interesting. Right. You don't want two people to be happily in love. Like, that's not interesting. So we got to throw <laughs> a wrench in there. You got to have the drama, yeah. Yeah, so like, that's my feeling about their side story. Right. And everybody else is kind what of... What about Wyndham Earl? Where, oh, Wyndham and, Earl? oh, yeah, the whole Wyndham Earl stuff. Last we saw, she he needs a queen. He got all three of the girls into the bar. They put their note together. They read it. I was mm. saying to Ben, I'm like... Is he, how is he going to pick his queen? And is he going to take all three? And if I had to pick the person he's going to go for, it's going to be Audrey. Because that could put her back in the arms of Cooper. Yeah. Pretty cool theory. And that's, that, would be, that would give a reason for her to, to get away from Mr. Uh, Whelan. Wheeler. Wheeler. I'm going to keep saying yeah. the wrong one. That's right. uh, to get out of the arms of him, because Cooper has to rescue her again. I don't know, Shelly, yeah. there's really no... Um, there's no gain there. There's no gain She's on pretty. Shelly. She's, 
I like Shelly. Yeah, Shelly's, but yeah. there's no gain in he's after Cooper and Audrey, since he seems to know everything without the internet. He, he's like, I got photos of them. I print, yeah, print I out the very thing. Episode. I think he has the internet. I think he does. He, I think he, he goes got- to Kinko's <laughs> and he prints out photos of people. But I think he's going to know that Audrey means something to him because Donna. Nobody cares about Donna. Donna just went across and, and, and helped James, and nobody cared. Oh, yeah. Her parents don't care where right. she is. She had to go. She had to bring her twelve dollars to James. twelve dollars to James. <laughs> yeah, and that was so silly. All of my life savings, all twelve dollars. Yeah, and nobody helped her. And you know, Shelly, she's had it rough. Let's get. Let's let her be. You know, let's have her good life back at the diner. I think it's going to be Audrey. Uh, that's what I kind of feel is going to happen. I think Audrey's going to be kidnapped or something. Windermere's going to do something to her, and um, it's going to bring Cooper back out of his funk to be Cooper again and um, rescue her, maybe, I hope. Sounds cool. Leo might just go back into another coma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, man. So, thank you, Joel, for being on so the show. Well, wait, wait. I have one more question. One more Sorry. question. <laughs> one more that we'll ask again the, the next time and okay. see how it's changed. What do you expect or, or I guess you could start with anything you know about, and you can cut that out, too, <laughs> but just pretext. Um, but what do you expect? What do you think the film will uh, address? Oh, God, the film? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I'm excited to watch it. I think it will address more of Laura Palmer's past, of who she was, I hope. Um, I hope I want more. I, I'm Cooper's in it. I don't know even know who's in the film. I know David Bowie's in it. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. I know David Bowie's in it, so I'm v- I thought he was in the show, but Ben had to tell me when he passed away. I was like, oh, we're going to see oh, him David in the show. David Bowie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I really want to know more about David Bowie's character, um, but I feel like I want to know more about Laura's past. I want to know more about um, Cooper and those the the agents. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that's what it gives me. I I know nothing about the movie. Never, nothing's been spoiled. So you're kind of hoping that maybe they open up a new investigation. Yeah, and you know into into the mystery that they sort of closed down on the show. Yeah, and maybe if the whole Bob thing isn't resolved, the do you know do we go into mm-hmm. the movie with that? And why is David Bowie wearing white? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. So those are my questions. I know nothing else about it. I don't even know who's in it yeah. other than I think Agent Cooper's in it. I know David Bowie's in it. Um, yeah, and that's all I kind of know, really. Yeah, I, yeah, it's awesome. There's really nothing. To I will tell you. I'm going to spoil one thing because it's such a non-spoiler. Okay. Jurgen Prochnow from Dune is in it. Who? And he's in literally, I think, maybe three seconds. What did you say? Can you say that again? <laughs> Jurgen Prochnow, the actor, uh, the German actor who is in um, Dune, who oh, plays Kyle right. McLaughlin's cat. He is in the Twin Peaks movie. For about five seconds, right? And oh, has really? Dialogue. <laughs> and then, and, it always cracks me up, and he's uh, listed in the opening credits as like one of the main. Wow, actors. that's crazy. And I think the, the missing pieces, the deleted scenes, there's a little bit more of him. A little but, bit more, little but bit, I think but he still right. has no dialogue. But it is, it is so funny. <laughs> Top like, billing, and right. he says nothing. Right, he was in Dune. Yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, yeah, I think was he the father? Uh, I think he was the father character in Dune, or so. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time since I've seen it, but wow, yeah, that's, that's so, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. 
Well, I think this is a good place to end the show. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Yep. I, thank you, Joel. I, I'm excited to get back, like, ask me the same questions. That is a great right. idea. Right. We so, should make a note of this. Make sure, yeah. um, Joel, you'll remember. Yeah, you'll remember. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I want to end the show with maybe a, just a little snippet of Chapter 13 that, that focused Joel's uh, uh, journey through Twin Peaks. Okay. So we'll end the show there. But uh, yeah, so I, thank you, Joel. And uh, why don't we say where, where people We're can find us? We're on Twitter, uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. You can find us on Facebook, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And comments, questions about anything, please email us at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. And iTunes, please rate us and um, subscribe to us and leave us a comment. Cool. And uh, Joel. And thank you, Joel. And Joel, where can yeah. they find you again? Where, where, if people are looking. They can find me um, on Twitter, at Lost in the Movies, all one word. And then my blog is, the address is thedancingimage.blogspot.com. And Journey Through Twin Peaks on uh, YouTube. Characters and storylines are swept into unwelcome new directions, beginning with the introduction of a new subplot. The mayor and his brother. The episode's director later acknowledged, the old brothers fighting at the wake sticks out to me as strange, a precursor to a lot of over-the-top humor. Remember where you are and why we're here. It feels like one of the moments where Twin Peaks changes. The episode is full of such moments alternated with cutaways to grim, moody exteriors increasingly at odds with the sitcom material. Bobby Briggs begins wearing suits. So does Audrey Horn. Cooper, on the other hand, loses the suit. The show feels so light, we half expect it to float away. No wonder this episode ends with a character abducted, seemingly by UFOs. But the most alarming disappearing act involves a relationship, not a person. So this is it? You save my life, then break my heart? Cooper, for all intents and purposes, dumps Audrey Horn. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a teenager. And you were involved in a case I was working on. If this development feels abrupt, it is. Kyle MacLachlan vetoed a proposed Cooper-Audrey story arc, claiming his character would never go to bed with a naive, troubled teenager. But Cooper already told her this in season one, and it didn't kill their chemistry. And I'll never let that happen again. Their longing is born of loneliness as well as attraction, and they don't have to become lovers to remain soulmates. Sadly, despite the occasional flare-up, it is not to be. One of these days before you know it, I'm going to be grown up and on my own. You better watch out. Where can Twin Peaks go from here? Okay, Andre, it's a deal. With one dramatic tentpole gone and a replacement prevented, Hold on, I'm going to throw you. Twin Peaks doubles down on silliness and very nearly jumps the shark.